welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. bless you. Have a seat. If you're at home, you can be lying down. I wouldn't know. You could be in your pyjamas. God bless you. Although if you've met as a connect group, I'm I'm guessing you probably got dressed. That would be a good idea. But hey, again, I I can't tell. Uh, Now, I want to share something. You'll be pleased to know, first of all, that amidst all the chaos, confusion and cancellations, there are some things that have not been cancelled. There are some uh, events that are still going ahead. Uh, For example, the Bible has not been cancelled. Faith in God is still available and you don't have to line up for it. Uh, And loving people is still on the list of approved activities that God wants you to be involved in. You can still love people. It's okay. And and most importantly, as they say, God is still on the throne. you know, God is not freaking out. He's not saying, I didn't foresee this. What's go- Someone quick, uh, some angel with some medical background, tell me, what is this COVID-19? How? He's not sending angels down to coals to find and get the last packet of flour. How are we going to survive? You know, God is, he's okay, yeah? And, uh, and so I want to talk about dealing with diseases, disruption and distress because these are the big three issues facing us today all around the world. Uh, obviously we have the disease that we are aware of uh, and then that causes a lot of disruption because of all the appropriate measures that governments have put into place and that can also lead to a lot of distress for people. And I want to talk about that and, uh, and see what the Bible says about each one. And that's a lot. The Bible has so much to say for every situation we face in life. In fact, I've got about 7,000 scriptures, uh, maybe not that many, but jot them down because I'm going to let a few out to just refer to them and then you can read them again later, study them and uh, discuss in your connect group what uh, God is saying and uh, promising in those verses. And so first of all, let's talk about disease, dealing with disease Uh, because let's face it, COVID-19 is now a pandemic. And as you hopefully know, that simply means that it's spread all around the world. It doesn't mean that it's any more deadly than it was a month ago or it's more uh, dangerous than many other diseases. In fact, as you've probably seen uh, on graphs and charts that are around, it shows how uh, coronavirus relates to other diseases that have been in the world in the past and are prevalent in the world today, and it isn't the worst. On the other hand... No one has any immunity to this yet because we haven't got the, uh, what do they call it, the herd immunity that is built into society when people start to get it, get over it, and then there is a natural immunity that builds up and through vaccines, which people are working on. Um, So we will have it. We will have a a level of immunity, uh, but not right at the moment. In the meantime, it's infecting and affecting people all over the world, and so... That's an issue. And so what does the Bible say about facing and combating disease? Well, when you read through the scriptures, you see two main themes that God brings out that he wants us to 
uh, deploy uh, to combat disease. And both of them are within our disposable. And one is wisdom and one is faith. And I just want to touch on both of those briefly. Wisdom, what I mean by that is, of course, the Bible teaches us to use common sense on how we live and how we uh, uh, live healthy lives and uh, make good decisions regarding looking after our physical situation. For example, the Mosaic law in the Old Testament that was given to the Israelites uh, was full of commandments and guidelines on how to stay healthy and how to deal with disease if it came and hit them. I came across just earlier in the week in my regular uh, Bible reading in the book of Numbers, uh, social isolating, uh, self-isolation rules for people who are sick. And, And Moses was told, if someone's crook, get them out of the camp so they don't affect others. And so God's kind of aware of these issues and how to deal with them. And right through the Bible, you see practical uh, references to uh, the use of medicine. So let me let mention a couple. Uh, and hopefully on Facebook, I think we've got these scriptures popping up for you. Like I said, jot them down. You can look at them later or you can save the recording and review it. Uh, Isaiah 38 verse 21, uh, it says, Isaiah had sent to Hezekiah, the king's servants, make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil and Hezekiah will recover. So there's the use of a real normal ointment, medical treatment. Um, And of course, uh, Isaiah was involved, uh, you know, with uh, the prophetic ministry and being able to hear from God and God doing miraculous things. uh, And that's something that's available and we use our faith to connect with that but there's still the use of regular normal medicine as well Uh, in the new testament you see jesus referring uh, to doctors in matthew 9 verse 12 it says jesus said healthy people don't need a doctor but sick people do and so jesus is aware of sickness and aware of doctors and as you probably know luke the guy that wrote the uh, one of the four gospels was a medical doctor himself Um, and jesus certainly didn't have a problem with that uh, or with Luke, or with doctors. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, you've got Paul uh, writing to his protege, Timothy, and he says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. And so here's the suggestion of using something physical, not just a spiritual issue, not just a prayer, but actually having something that can be applied physically to help him stay healthy. So God's quite happy for us to use modern medicine and the wisdom of uh, doctors and other trained professionals. And so we need to know that because uh, sometimes in the church, people have got uh, a little carried away and sort of uh, neglected medical advice in the name of faith um, and then died. Uh, how's that going for you, as they say, Uh, because they've just been probably in a position of presumption, not faith, and they weren't being smart. And so, um, you know, we need to comply with government guidelines to minimise the risk uh, uh, and the spread of infection, and that's, you know, a a very real, in this current climate, that that's what wisdom looks like, yeah, heeding the advice and the warnings from medical experts and following those kind of guidelines. But also we have faith to combat. This is where it gets really exciting because we're not just bunkered down hoping someone's going to come with a vaccine and doctors as good as they are aren't perfect and they're human and they make mistakes and they might misdiagnose this. and you know. So praise the Lord for the Lord. We have God, yeah? And God uh, has asked us uh, to employ the faith that we have. We have faith, all of us. 
We're always putting our faith in somebody or something. We just got to exercise it in God's direction, to God's word, to God's promises. And there's a lot in there about healing when you read the Bible. Uh, right from the beginning, God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. You read about that in the book of uh, Exodus and uh, to the Jewish people. These are one of the, this is one of the great covenant names of God um, in Exodus 15, 26. And um, there's a great Bible study right there looking at all the, the names that God gave uh, as, a, as part of his covenant to the people. And this one, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord. It's in my nature. I am a healing God. That's what he's saying. I do healing without a problem. Uh, and then when Jesus came to earth, Jesus brought the power of God to heal with him and deployed it. And you read in uh, Matthew 8, uh, verse 16, it says, uh, people brought uh, people to Jesus who were sick and had demon possession and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. And then it says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. So that refers to a prophecy. Isaiah, of course, prophesying hundreds of years before Jesus came, but amazingly accurate prophecies about the ministry of Jesus and particularly how he would die on the cross and the effect of that death, what we call an atoning death. In other words, taking something on himself so that we wouldn't have it. So he's taken our sin and our sickness so that we can be saved and we can be healed. That's awesome, isn't it? And that's part of what Jesus did on the cross, that great life-changing, world-changing, historic moment of the crucifixion of Jesus involved salvation for all mankind, people kind, 21st century, men and women, uh, and, um, and, and part of that salvation or that redemption that br bringing us back into the goodness of God, the family of God, involves the access to his power to heal sickness. And so this is exciting. We've got to believe for that because that's the equation. God offers it and faith picks it up. Right? If I you know, give you a present that's maybe wonderful, I might be really you know, generous towards you and give you a great present. But if you kind of have a weird thing going on and go, oh, I don't believe that's for me, or I don't believe you'd be so kind as to give me a present. I'm not sure if that is a present. That might be a letter bomb. I don't believe it. It's like, okay, whatever. You're never going to open it. You're never going to benefit from it. And so faith opens the present that God gives us. Faith picks up what the word promises. God takes off the pages of the Bible, <gasps> something that changes our lives. And here we're talking about healing, yeah? So it's pretty exciting. And so Jesus then leaves earth, goes to heaven, but he tells his followers, including us, hey, this is what's going to happen. I want you to go and preach, tell people about me. That's called the Great Commission. And notice part of it, he said, These, this is what you're going to do. Go preach the gospel. And in the end of the book of Mark, chapter 16, he says, oh, and these signs will follow you. And one of them was, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's a promise of the power of God, no longer in the Old Testament, no longer just God covenant with the Jewish people thousands of years ago, no longer just Jesus when he was on earth, but now all God's followers who believe in him ministering his power through faith. Isn't that awesome? And it's not us, it's not our power, it's not like you know some healing guru that, no, no, it's, it's the power of God that just operates through simple prayer and faith. And, um, and then you see that when you read the book of Acts. 
The Acts of the Apostles, or we could say the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That whole book talks then Jesus going to heaven. And then you see these disciples, followers of Jesus saying, all right, well, let's give it a go. And off they went. And uh, they're praying for people and people are getting miraculously healed. And then we read in the New Testament references to this ministry that's available. For example, uh, James chapter 5. And again, this is just one of many scriptures that talk about healing. But it says, if anyone of you is in trouble, let them pray. <laughs> There's wisdom right there, isn't it? Um, uh, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the doctor. Oh, hang on. Call the elders of the church. It doesn't say don't call the doctor, but look what it says. Call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. And if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. And so this is calling on the church the anointing that God places, the, uh, the blessing and healing power that God delivers through people to pray and to help us to get healed. And so, you know, that's like a very fast survey through just some of many scriptures on healing. Um, and it's a big subject, which we are not going to have time to go further into today. But we are actually in May teaching a whole series on faith. And we will spend some time on faith for healing as part of that series. Um, and that'll be good because we'll further explore how faith and wisdom take us along the pathways of healing that God provides. Because sometimes it is a bit of a journey. Sometimes it's a bit of a path to healing. It's not just like, you know, pray once miraculous healing. Sometimes it, it happens like that. But other times there is a journey and a path and a combination of, like I said, faith and wisdom listening to what the doctors say, but also bringing your faith, especially when you go to hear the doctor's diagnosis or prognosis, you've got to have your faith in the Lord. And we combine those two. And combined, we need not be afraid. And we can combat disease, including whatever is going around the world today. Amen? Secondly, um, I want to look at uh, dealing with disruption. Because the coronavirus has meant incredible disruption around the world. Um, not unprecedented for many people, for older people, but for young people, perhaps the, the craziest, imagine not being allowed to go to the beach, you know, Bondi Beach, they shut the beach down. <gasps> you know, that can be a terrible shock. Uh, who would have thought that you couldn't just go down to the shops in Australia and buy toilet paper, you know, or eggs? I was just in the fruit shop and there's a sign, limit of one carton of eggs per person. I thought, eggs, really? You know. And uh, minced meat and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And Ruth and I actually are reminded of when we lived in Russia in the early 90s. It's, it's a little bit like that because when we arrived, it was the end of the communist government and the supply that they had had was just drying up, but they hadn't got the free enterprise capitalist system going. And so there were empty shops. We've told our church before how the first few days we, la we lived in St. Petersburg, we were living off literally the sandwiches we had saved from the plane. Uh, you know, we had little two-year-old Hudson. And he's gobbling up every bit of crumb he can get. Eleanor, she was just being fed by her mother because she was only a month old. So she was okay as long as her mother could stay alive. And, uh, and, I, and I just started hunting around the streets. Not with a gun. I've got a brother here <laughs> thinking, wow, it was tough, really. They, you know, I found a bow and arrow. Uh, no, yes. 
And I, you know, there were deer out in the forest and bears and no, I meant hunting food and gathering around the shops, you know. And that's what I mean. It's a little bit like this now. You meet people. Did they have toilet paper? Where are you? Oh, I just got some baked beans. Where? Oh, whoop, up there, you know. And, uh, and so it reminds us of that where, you know, and, um, and yeah, of course, yeah. And our shops at this point, it's, like, it's not that bad, Australia. I'm just telling you because Coles and Woolies, as far as I know, are not being controlled by the mafia. Because we had in St. Petersburg at this time all these little kiosks popping up and it was like, oh, cool, these guys are getting little dribs and drabs of supplies from the West. So there'd be a box of Mars bars in one place and you'd grab a bunch of them and then you'd drive past and see this colour shining out of one and be like, oh, oh, it's cereal from America. It's out of date by eight months, but it's still cereal. You grab some of that and then, oh, flour from Holland. Who's got that? And you drive. And then one day all over the city, half these kiosks were just all burned out. I got in the car and I'm like, all right, I'll go hunting and gathering on the way to the church office. And I go, yikes, look at that. Whoa, whoa. And there are all these black spots, literal black spots all over the city. So one mafia gang had just decided to take the other mafia gang out by burning all their kiosks. Um, but then the government approved certain ones. And, you know, let's face it. It's, all right, I'm not going to get political, especially if it's going online. Vlad, <laughs> just saying g'day. But, uh, but really... Just, you've had enough, you know, just get out of it. Let someone else have a turn, will you? I think they might be able to do a fairer job. Anyway, um, and we can't really edit this, can we? No, it's out there live. Praise the Lord. So um, let's get back to the Bible, shall we? Um, But really, you know, disruption, whether it's, you know, shopping or travelling or cancellation of sports or event sports, don't get me started, Uh, you know, that people are having to work from home. Some people, you know, more radically, are, you know, concerned about their jobs and uh, the disruption to their, you know, normal source of income. Whatever your circumstances, God is, as I said before, still on the throne. He's okay. It's a cliche, that one, but it's, but it's true. Let's look at what the Bible says. Um, Malachi 3 verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Praise the Lord. And so, isn't that cool? Uh, really, um, we just trust in him. He's, he's solid. He's, changing. he's not changing. And then uh, Psalm 62. There's so many Psalms that talk about the, the, the solidity and the, the reliability and the, 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 the presence of God in our lives that we can trust in. And in Psalm 62 verse 1, uh, it says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and so I will never be shaken. And so, again, when we trust in God, we, we, can, we can be strong. We can survive. We can get through. And no one likes change. Uh, there's a lot of disruption. There's a lot of change going on. Uh, but we can lean into God, pray to God, draw on his peace, his strength. And, uh, and that gets to the last one about distress because some disruption is okay, but for some people it's, it's leading to distress. People are fearful. People are worried. They're anxious. Uh, and they're thinking, 
you know, what's going to happen about my job? What's happening about uh, the future? And what about my children? Should I send them to school or not? And, uh, <laughs> and of course, do we have enough toilet paper? The big question, you know. Uh, I'm down to the last thousand rolls. What am I going to do? I mean, I've been laughing at the, th- at the shortages and what the panic buying and all that and thinking, oh, people are ridiculous. Until yesterday, I'm on a motorbike ride with some friends. I'm out in a little country town at Wollombi and someone says, oh, yeah, in St Ives, I couldn't get any cereal. I said, hang, hang on, so, what did you say? He said, Wool- Woolies, St Ives. The cereal aisles were empty. I wanted to get on my bike then and just race off to the nearest country town, like Cessnock or something, and just hit the shelves. I thought, what? Fortunately, that afternoon, I checked for my local supermarket and they still had cereal. <laughs> it's okay. So the crisis there is averted for now. Uh, but, of course, some people, like I said, are, are really worried and... Uh, and, and more important than stocks of wheat picks are concerning them. And so what does the Bible say about dealing with feelings of fear, worry and stress? Well, I'll just give you three more scriptures because I said I'd, I'd give you a bunch and you can look at them again later. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast your anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for you. Cast it upon him. I like what Hudson was sharing. I think it was just last Sunday in our church and you can listen to the podcast of all the messages. Um, about the temptation he's had to, when negative feelings have come, <laughs> to just shove it down, <laughs> the male condition. <laughs> just shove it down, just put it under the carpet. <laughs> and then he just realised after a while there was just too much negative stuff bubbling up. That lump on the carpet is getting too big. I'm going to trip over it, you know, this. And so he's just talked about how he needs to cast his cares upon the Lord, to really face the feelings and deal with them openly and especially before the Lord. And, um, and so we are invited there to cast our cares upon him, just like Pilgrim letting the pack off his back in Pilgrim's Progress and letting that weight come off his shoulders. We don't have to carry worry and fear and anxiety. We can give it to God. Uh, and then uh, a couple more. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, very well-known verse, wonderful promise. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray to God. One translation says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. (laughs) I think that's the New Living Translation. And so notice there's a commandment not to worry, but it's hard to not, it's hard to just not do something. You know, don't do that. Don't, Don't think about this. Well, you're going to think about it because there's nothing replacing it. So God says, well, don't do that. Don't worry. But instead, pray. Oh, yeah. And I hate to admit the number of times that I have worried about something without praying about it or tried to figure out the solution to a problem before consulting God or I've gone talking to other people for answers and looking to them rather than praying to God and letting him speak to me and so as Joyce Meyer has often said we need to go what did she say we need to go to the throne not the phone and so uh, we, we need to turn to the Lord seek him find our solace our answers our comfort our peace in him and that leads to my last verse about the peace in fact that the next 
verse in that passage in Philippians talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding, guarding your heart and mind. And this last verse, well, I feel like God really wants you to hear this because it's actually the same verse Ruth shared and we didn't talk or plan about this, but it's, uh, it's from John chapter 14 where Jesus said these words, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you and I do not give you peace as the world gives it. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Again, don't be afraid, but what, what are you saying? What have I got instead? The peace of God. So there's a combination there of our willpower, our decision-making, our choices. You know, we've got the ability to discipline our thoughts and our minds and our hearts. So we have to prevent some things from happening, guard our hearts, don't be afraid, don't do this. Ah, but what do I do instead? Lean into Jesus, pray to God, and then the peace of God comes into our heart. And Jesus gives us peace unlike the world, unlike anything else. We're not just talking about a pina colada lying in a beach thinking, oh, that'd be nice. In, well, I can't go overseas. Oh, 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 what? No, no, this is a supernatural, powerful, spiritual, eternal peace that when you tap into it, can't shake your life. Yeah? And so whatever troubling or negative or stressful feelings rise up in your heart, we just turn to him. Well, I just trust that this encourages you, but also assists you in your life and ministry to other people because people are looking for peace. They're looking for solutions. They're looking for stability. They're looking for answers. They don't want to just hear another person whinging about how the shops haven't got any food. We are called to bring the answers that God has, to point people to him, to shine the light, yeah? And so I want to encourage you, church, online, uh, to pray, stay close to God, and, um, and then shine your light out into the world and connect with people and, uh, and invite them to connect online. They can watch our services. And as I said, we're going to keep in touch through email primarily. Uh, make sure we've got your email address and we'll let you know this week early on about uh, connect groups and how we'll, <laughs> what Sundays are going to look like. You know, we still want to gather. Uh, whatever that looks like, Jesus is still building his church. Yeah. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's going to be okay. Praise him. Let's pray and then we'll finish. Father, we thank you for church today, for our meeting, for our gathering and for connecting with you. And I thank you for everyone who's engaged online. We pray the blessing of God into every home, every cafe, every place, wherever we may be. We thank you for the, the blessing of God that's available, the peace of God, the solutions that you have to pro the world's problems. And we thank you that you help that word that we've heard just settle in our hearts and we can lay a hold of those promises in those scriptures for your glory. I pray your blessing on everyone. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you. And uh, we will see you soon uh, live in person or live online. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.